boat and start your journey across to the other side. And the Lord said, some of the things are like that, that you're feeling this uncertainty, that there's, there might be change in, in leadership. There may be things going on in some of the leaders in, the, in this nation. There might be some changes going on, and maybe some of you have lost a loved one in this last year, or maybe some of you have, there's changes and uncertainties with the job and changes and uncertainty with the church, and how do we get back to normal? How, what is normal going to look like? How do we get back? after all these changes have been going on in the last few months. And the Lord said, get back in your boat, in your relationship with me, in the ministry that you know that you're called to, in the things that you know that you're to put your hand to, and don't look around and don't look at the waves, and you can recognize me when I speak to you, said God, because it might look a little funny in this next season. It might look like a ghost is floating across the water, said God, because you don't know where my spirit's going to take you. You're not sure which way the wind is going to blow in which direction I'm going to lead you, but you know my voice. And so hold on to my voice and I will show you and I will speak to you and I will tell you in this season exactly what I want you to do. Well, there's a reaching back like Peter did. There's a reaching back in your faith. There's a taking the roots that grow down deep into the things that you've already been taught, in the things that you've already walked in, in the things that you already know about me, your heavenly Father. And during these times, said God, I will strengthen you even more because your faith is rising up in me. And as you wait for my next command, I'm getting ready. <laughs> I'm getting ready to tell you. I'm getting ready to speak to you. And you know my voice. And you will come out with me. And you will do great and mighty exploits for my kingdom. Because that's your heart. And that's what you've been waiting for. And that's what you've desired. The things of God. So get ready. Because I'm getting ready to take you to a place that you've never been with me before. But trust in me. Because you know my voice. Hallelujah. 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 Dr. Cheryl mentioned this morning about going into the promised land. I went home this afternoon and I began to read about the Exodus. You imagine millions of people walking up to the Atlantic Ocean. What am I going to do now? The enemy's behind me. The water's in front of me. But the hand of God, and only the hand of God could part the water. Some are set up to five miles wide for those millions of people to cross. And I began to think of that. I began to look at it. And I thought, Yet, wouldn't that water, wouldn't the dirt be mucky? Wouldn't it be wet? Wouldn't it not pull me down? But yet it says they walked on dry land. 
I'm here to encourage you before we pray. Some of our family members are still in Egypt. Let's pray them out of Egypt. Some of our church folks are still walking in the desert. Let's pray them out of the desert. It's time that we cross into the promised land. It's time we get into the place of glory and into the presence of God and remain there as long as we can. As long as we can. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you once again for the salvations of our family members. Thank you, as Dr. Cheryl said this morning, the prodigals are coming home. Lord, there's many church members who have walked away from you. They're coming back. There's many who don't know you that will meet you for the first time, and we thank you. There's going to be our families and friends involved in that. That co-worker, Lord, that neighbor. Lord, again, I thank you for our bishop and Dr. Cheryl for the leadership they provide, not only in this house, but for the network of the EACM. And we continue to lift all of our fellow pastors and evangelists and all the different workers around the world and what they're doing. Lord, as this virus has affected the entire world, your presence is going to be greater in the entire world. And we ask, Holy Spirit, for an outpouring when the time comes and this is over, that every country will be touched by your presence, just as much as it's been touched, but yet in a greater sense, by your presence than it has by this virus. We thank you for it, Lord. We praise you for it. We ask you to give, once again, bless and touch Apostle and Sister C and Dr. Garner. And we thank you for the ministries of this church. And Lord, as we go about doing your work, we ask you to keep us safe. As you open the doors, let us run through. Give us the boldness to speak. And Lord, we thank you for the season of change that is coming. We're going to praise you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. desperate toward Jesus and it's just a glorious day just spending the whole day in his presence and that's how it's been throughout this entire time just being able to get closer and closer to Jesus 
And that's really all that matters in your life. Because you were created to please him. Amen? We were created for that. So everything else about us, all our work, all our callings, all our giftings, everything we do every day is really about pleasing him. And that is the greatest thing in the earth. Amen? I'm just excited that you're here tonight joining us. I'm excited for our group here in uh, the sanctuary But I'm just excited because the presence of the Lord is wherever we are. And that's exciting. And I have all these little friends. I have to get one of my little friends out of the pew. Because this is awesome. You know? We can't spend a lot of time together, but look at him. Amen. And he is um, just perfect because he's got his mask on and his little hands are covered. Now, we don't have social distancing between him and I, but we will. Amen. So, all right. Oscar is doing all the mandates. I love it. Amen. And he joined us here tonight. So, um, if your children are with you. That's awesome. Amen. And uh, I want to share tonight. And so I want to remind you even now, just go grab some communion elements. We're going to take communion at the end. So you might say, well, I don't have any crackers and juice. Well, you got bread and water. It works. Amen. Because it's not the elements. It's what it's all about. And we believe that the communion table is for healing and for cleansing. And right now in this season, man, God is doing a work of healing and repentance. And I'm not even talking about the virus. I'm talking about our lives. And that's exciting. And then the communion table is a weapon of war. And when you begin to take that blood and that broken body and you just really begin to appropriate it to the enemies. Uh, wiles, he just turns on himself. That's what it says in 1 Samuel 7, that, that when they made sacrifice, and Jesus was the supreme sacrifice, that when they made sacrifice, the enemy turned on himself. I love it, because we don't got to do a lot then, except, like I said this morning, stand and watch. Be still and watch God do something. Amen? So I want to look tonight for a minute Who was this man, Jesus? Who is this man? You know, so many of us have been brought up in the church. I know I was brought up in in the Catholic church, and we were taught all about Jesus. But I don't think that we ever developed an answer for who was he. Who is this man? We were taught all the right things, and that's a great thing. I've got a great foundation. But as God began to say to me, he goes, who am I to you? Ah, now he's talking about relationship. Now he's talking about 
really finding out who he is. You know, in Jesus' earthly ministry, early on at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. He grew up in uh, the neighborhood. How many of you grew up in your neighborhoods? You knew everybody? And everybody knew Joe and Mary's kid. But so many, when Jesus began to minister and he began to do miracles and signs and wonders, that only Hashem, God, could do. They began to ask one another, who is this guy? Who is this man? I mean, I've lived next door to this guy all my life. He's doing miracles. He's changing lives. He's touching lives. He's doing signs and wonders. That's just Mary and Joe's kid. No. As we begin to look at this tonight, who is this man to you, to me? When Jesus called the disciples to be with him, interesting, he didn't ask them to be scholars of him. He didn't say, here, fill out this application, and if you know a whole bunch of the Torah, if you can repeat the Torah to me, you're in. He didn't do that. He just simply met up with fishers of men, and he said, hey, drop what you're doing and come follow me. Wow. And the most interesting thing is that they followed. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. And when Jesus, we need it on the screen. Oh, we can't get it on the screen. Okay. All right, very good. Matthew chapter 18. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. So we're going to get there. Hallelujah. Matthew 4. Hallelujah. We're going to use this one too, Matthew 8, but I need Matthew 4. All right. So if you've got your phones, Bibles, Matthew 4, and did we get it? No, okay. Matthew 4. And if you look at verse 18. Through 22. As Yeshua walked by Lake Kinneret, he saw two brothers who were fishermen, Simon, known as Kepha, Peter, and his brother Andrew, throwing their net into the lake. And Yeshua said to them, come after me and I'll make you fishers for men. At once, they left their nets and went with him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, Jacob and John, his brother, and in the boat with their father, Zavdi, repairing their nets. And he called them, 
And at once they left the boat and their father and went with Yeshua. Now I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible, so the names are all in Hebrew, but I want you to notice that they didn't leave their Bible study. They left their everyday things they were doing, and they followed him. They left their father, and they followed him. Wow. I mean, think about it. If you were on your job, if you were, you know, at the grocery store with your little mask on and your gloves, and Jesus came by and said, hey, leave the groceries. Come follow me. And you didn't even think about it. You'd say, oh, okay. And you'd go follow him. Wow. He just simply was a man who said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Wow. And the disciples didn't know much about him. You know, we got it in our minds that somehow all this transpired in the word of God and that there was some special thing everybody knew. No, they didn't know him. They'd heard him teach. They knew something was different about him. See, I guess my point is, who is this man, but who is he in you? So when folks meet up with you and you begin to share, do they go, man, there's something about that person. There's something about Joe. There's something about Susie. There's something about this one, that one. And they want Jesus. How do we know this man Jesus like you? There's something about you. And you know what was different about him? You know what it was that made them drop everything and go follow him? Their faith. Their faith rose up. Their faith said, you know what? There's something here because I've been living every day and there's nothing. I'm going to go follow. There's something here. That's what rises up in us when we hear the word of God. That's what rises up in us when we come alive because we hear the difference. We hear the word of God. We hear, we see Jesus in action. And you know what? When they followed him, I got to thinking, I don't think they understood everything. See, we got to come out of this thinking, especially now as we enter into the new era, as we go uh, to a, to forward and we cross over the Red Sea now. Just like the Israelites had to enter into the promised land, listen, they had to go a lot by faith. They had to just get on that dry ground. And the only thing they were thinking is, thank God, is, you know, the Egyptians didn't get us. And they're on dry land, but really they've crossed over. We are crossing over. And the key is we don't have to understand it all. We don't even have to figure it out. We just got to follow him. I want you to see this clip. Do we have the clip tonight by Rabbi Sobel? Yes. 
Okay, I want you to see this because very interesting. The shepherds were the first ones to get the good news. They were the first ones whose notification went off on their cell phone and they said, hey, we better go find out what's going on. And we have to ask ourselves tonight, who was this baby that was born? Because the shepherds got notified and they went. They knew something. Let's watch. Shalom from Jerusalem. I just want to thank you for your amazing response to the last video where we talked about Yeshua Jesus being wrapped in swaddling cloths. And just a little FYI, you can read more about what I'm sharing on our blog at rabbisobel.com or in our new book with Kathy Lee Gifford, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. I hope you were as blessed as I was by the pilot episode of The Chosen. God sent angels to appear to shepherds in the field and announce to them the birth of the Messiah. Of all the people that he could have appeared to, why did he appear to shepherds? Oftentimes we think of shepherds as lowly individuals doing some sort of menial occupation. But the truth of the matter is there's something so much more. But think about it scripturally, how significant shepherds were and how much the Bible talks about shepherds. King David was a shepherd and Moses was a shepherd of sheep. In fact, God appears to Moses in the burning bush while he's tending Jethro's sheep out in the wilderness. Being a shepherd was a perfect life for contemplation and communion with God out there in the solitude of nature. And there's something even further, which is that the shepherd represented the type of leadership that God was looking for. An individual who would love and care and tend for the sheep individually. And so God sends angels to appear to shepherds. Why? Because Yeshua Jesus is the son of David. And just like David was a shepherd, the shepherds needed to recognize the one who is going to be the true Roi Israel, the true shepherd of Israel. Moses was a shepherd. And Messiah is the promised greater than Moses who would shepherd the people. And there's one more interesting thing to realize. Think about it for a moment. As we've shared, these are not ordinary shepherds. They were raising the lambs that would be offered in the temple. The word korban for sacrifice means to draw near. Sin separates, but a sacrifice draws us near to the Lord. This is what the shepherd wanted in this pilot episode of this movie. He wanted to be close to the Lord. And God has drawn us close to him through the ultimate shepherd and lamb sacrifice for us, Yeshua the Messiah. So as you meditate upon the Christmas story this season, think about the deeper meaning of the shepherd. I hope you are blessed by this deeper understanding. The shepherds had all kinds of time to spend with God. And so, what a great thing for us. Who is this man? Who is this baby that the shepherds got the first news on? Because the shepherds wanted anything that would bring them closer to God. Jesus is the supreme sacrifice. And when you look at that word in the Hebrew, Corban, 
sacrifice. It means to get closer. When we get closer to Jesus and we don't understand it all, we don't have to. We just have to ask, draw closer, and say, this is who he was and is to me. you got to answer that in your prayer closets because he wants to know who he is in your life. Just like husbands and wives, we draw close to one another and we want to know who this person is in our life. We want to know our children. We want to impart to them Jesus and who he is in your life. Wow. Drawing closer, making that sacrifice, that Corbin, making it of time, energy, setting aside stuff so you can just be with him. Jesus was looking for people who were willing to walk in faith rather than people who had a lot of knowledge. Isn't that true? Look at all the people that Jesus touched. Awesome. And unfortunately, it wasn't all the elite synagogue folk because they were so heady. They had all the knowledge, but they didn't know who this man was. You know, I was praying and I, I said one day, Lord, that's so, so frightening. And he said, what? And I said, that we could be walking down the street. Especially, you know, you have to think about leaders in the body of Christ. People who are pastors and ministers. And we got the knowledge. Because we went to Bible college and we went to this class and that school and and I'm like, God, what if we were walking down the street and you came up to us and you said, do you know who I am? I said, Lord, I would not want to be like the Pharisees. I would not want to be the Sadducees, the whatever, scribes, all the ones who had all the knowledge. Don't get me wrong. We need some knowledge. We're going to talk about that. But Jesus ran after folks with faith, simple faith. He praised those. Look at Matthew chapter 8. We're going to look at 5 through 9. He praised the ones that he, he knew did not have a full understanding. He doesn't really care if you totally understand because he'll bring understanding to you. But I want to look at this story tonight, the story of the centurion. Famous Popular story, but look at this. When Jesus was entered to Capernaum, now Capernaum was Jesus' hometown. When he would come off the road and be tired for a few days of ministry, he'd always come home to Capernaum. It says when he entered Capernaum, he came to, a, to him a centurion, beseeching him. In other words, just about begging him, okay? saying, Lord, my servant 
lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. How many of you know already Jesus was like, okay, I got to go. There's a need. Somebody needs me. And Jesus said to him, I will come. Of course he said that. He says, I will come and heal him. And I don't think the centurion knew anything. He was a centurion. He wasn't a Bible scholar. But he'd heard about Jesus. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Wow. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. I want you to take a look at that for a minute. That centurion understood, first of all, authority. Because he was a man under authority and had authority. So he was used to people doing what he commanded them to do. So when he approached Jesus, he was ready to do what he was told, correct? He knew deep down that he would have to do whatever he was told because he had been trained that way. But we have to understand that for him to approach Jesus, wow, he already had to have some faith. He already had to know something. He'd already heard about Jesus. He'd already witnessed perhaps or heard him teach or saw some miracles. This centurion had some faith. He had to believe that when Jesus said, I'm going to heal him, that because of his understanding of authority, he was ready. Okay, you just have to say the word and he'll be healed. Wow. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute because the reality is this guy, he was just limited in his understanding. He was a centurion. But he must have had some level of faith and some trust. I mean, come on, let's just go there. Jesus comes over to your, he's, he sees you walking down the street, and you say to him, Lord, my kid is sick, my wife, my husband, my, you know, worker is sick. Can you come and heal him? And Jesus would say, yeah, I will come and heal him, and I bet. We would say, okay, follow me. <laughs> but the centurion just said, Lord, I'm not worthy, but just say the word. And Jesus' response was interesting. He said, I've not seen faith like that in all of Israel. Wow. To a Gentile. Interesting. See, the disciples were not knowledgeable, but they understood. They had experienced Jesus. How many of you would have experienced Christ? 
You've had that experience. Maybe you never have. Maybe you don't even know this man I'm telling you about. Or maybe you've known him your whole life, but he's been all up here. He's not been here. I just want to invite you right now to pray with me. Right where you're sitting at home, in your bedroom, wherever you're at, I just want you to pray with me and say this out loud or whisper it to yourself because there is so much power in our words. And just pray with me. Jesus, thank you. I want to know this man. I want to know you. So Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Change it. Make me different. Lord, I acknowledge you as Lord over my life. You suffered. You died. You were buried. And then you rose up again. Thank you. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. I believe it and I receive it. I don't have to understand it all. I just have to receive you. Amen. That's, what, that's where it starts. Amen. Awesome. With our little limited knowledge. You know, the criminals on the cross that hung next to Jesus, one insulted him, but one I'm sure, saw and by faith acknowledged him as Lord. Now you can call that a, what do you call that? A bad, uh, you know, he's about to die and he comes to Christ. I don't care, he came. He did it by faith and Jesus honored it too. He says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Awesome. He didn't understand. He didn't have a bunch of head knowledge. He just knew he needed Christ. Saints, who is this man to you? Let's look at Luke chapter 23. And let's look at 39 to 43. One of the male factors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man's done nothing wrong. Wow. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Awesome. This guy didn't know Jesus, but he acknowledged as he hung right next to him. There was something here. This was an innocent man, and look at this. I need this. I need it. 
Jesus called so many of his followers. And he called a lot of them out. He called a lot of the Jewish elite out. Not because they were full of knowledge, but because they lacked faith. He called them out. I don't want Jesus to call me out for a lack of faith. I want to always say, Lord, I just humble myself and I just extend as much faith as I can. Lord, increase my faith. And how many of you would say, wow, that is so true. You know, all the things I've gone through in life, I've seen him increase my faith. And you don't get faith on the mountaintop. I don't know about y'all, but when I'm on the mountaintop, I'm feeling pretty good with God. Faith comes in the valley experiences. When you're so sick, you just like, God, please heal me. And he heals you. You're going through a financial burden, and it's like, God, I just know you got to do something, and he does. He doesn't really get excited about our knowledge. I'm just trying to point out that knowledge could be a stumbling block. Sometimes our knowledge gets in the way. You know, I'm just thinking about, we got with us tonight, Dr. Kathy Hupio and Pastor Danny Hupio. They're awesome. And so Dr. Kathy and myself, we travel sometimes to Ohio to do a broadcast on television with pastors. And sometimes, you know, we're the only two women on the panel. But sometimes, I don't know, I've never really asked her, but I know I feel sometimes like all these men you know, they got this head knowledge and they got more knowledge about the Bible. That's what goes through my mind. But it's like when we sit out on that panel, God fires her up and fires me up and we suddenly can say stuff. (laughs) And we always get all this great feedback because knowledge can sometimes keep you from just speaking what God has for you. They were always trying to prove him wrong. All the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they always wanted to try to prove him wrong. And the problem was they were all up in their head. Now, some knowledge is necessary. And we have to understand that we're on the other side of the Bible. We're, you know, there's the Old Testament, and thank God we're on the other side of that New Testament. So we got a lot of answers that they didn't have in the Old Testament. But when does it, when is it necessary for us to have the knowledge? When is it required so that we can believe in Jesus, so that we can know who this man is? First of all, Romans chapter 3, the whole chapter, and we're not reading that, but when you get a minute, you can begin to check that out. But recognize, number one, this is key, that you have a spiritual need. You need that knowledge. You need the knowledge that you have a spiritual need. Some people, you know, the whole world's looking for spirituality. That's why there's yoga and Buddha and, you know, live your best life now and whatever. 
all kinds of stuff out there. Self-help books probably comprise two-thirds of the reading if you go into libraries or stores. There's always, you know, some kind of new phenomenon that is going to help us fill those voids. But you know, nothing, nothing fills you like Jesus. And you can read your word. You know that the Bible is still the number one bestseller of all time. Wow! Because we need that. So the knowledge you need is just simply that you need spirituality. You need, you have a spiritual need that needs to be filled. It comes only through Christ. You say, well, Dr. Cheryl, that's kind of, you know, narrow-minded. Thank you, Jesus. Because the gate is narrow. And everybody ain't going to get in. They're not going to get in through Buddha. They're not going to get in through all these different things. They're only going to get in through Jesus Christ. Paul says we're guilty, every one of us, of sin. And we can't do it on our own. And so look at familiar passage of Scripture. You should know it by heart. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Just plain and simple truth. Every one of us has a spiritual need that has to be full. And I've talked to people who have tried everything and then finally found Jesus. And they go, man, why couldn't I have found this first? I don't know. But I know God has a plan. Amen? Second thing that you, ne you need to know, knowledge, is that Jesus is God's answer to everything. Jesus is God's answer. John 3.16 says it, that Jesus' death is the only thing that forgives sin. Not all your good works. Not if you pray 10 prayers, three pages of the word every day. Jesus, he's the only way to forgiveness. Romans chapter 3, 25 and 26. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith, through faith, through faith in his blood. You got to believe. You don't need head knowledge. you got to just believe that the blood is the thing. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. There it is. There it is, the truth, real plain and simple. I don't know how much head knowledge you can get there, but it's plain and simple. You need the knowledge that Jesus is the answer to everything. You know, I've been studying a lot of the Hebrew, and they're, the, the Jews are famous for just simply believing that God is in control. And they will say, Hashem is in control. 
no matter what. And that's the truth. Jesus is in control. The third thing that you have to know, you need the knowledge, is that you have to respond to a lifestyle of faith. You have to respond. It's not enough to know about him up here. You can, we stuff in the body of Christ, we stuff so much knowledge into these heads. But the reality is you got to respond to him. You got to respond to him. I want to tell you this coronavirus for whatever, it's evil and blah, 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 but it has forced all of us, the whole entire world, to be by themselves, to stay home, to take a look at life. Makes you respond. Who is this man? He's Jesus. And when you respond by faith and you say, okay, I want to know Jesus, that's the beginning. See, a lot of folks pray the sinner's prayer. And is the prayer that what gets you saved? Is the prayer what brings you into relationship with Christ? No, it's the beginning. It's the beginning. And then you walk this thing out every day with Christ. We have to realize that we have these needs. We have a spiritual need. Jesus is the only answer. And we have to respond in faith. That's what's key. That's going to lead us into finding out who is this man? Who is he? 2 Peter 3.18, last scripture, but very key, because we do need knowledge. But he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. We need knowledge, but we need to grow in our grace and our faith. And I'll tell you something, when you begin to walk every day with him, every minute, and you're just talking to him, you do grow in grace. But even then, he starts to reveal things to you, and you grow in knowledge. And I'd rather have that knowledge, that when I hear something from God, and then I go to the Word, and it's there. That just inspires me. I don't want to read books about him. I want to read the word of God. How many of you hear what I'm saying tonight? We have to move forward in this season. And that's what I'm trying to do is inspire you to keep moving forward. Keep crossing over. You're going into a new era. You got to be ready to win souls, but you got to know what to say Tell them. Tell people everywhere you go. Look out your front door tomorrow morning and yell, Hey, you guys, you all got a spiritual need. Jesus is the answer. You got to be ready because they're coming. 
It's the harvest, man. People are hungry. They're hurting. They're sick. They want to know, what do we do? Jesus. Who is that man? Who is that man? He's Jesus, son of God, and he can live big in you. We're going to pray. And I want to encourage you tonight, seek him. Seek his face. I go to bed. I'm just praying at night as I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm saying, God, you are revealing yourself so awesome. I've never known you like this. He said, it wasn't me. <laughs> That's what he's saying to us. Listen, get closer to me. It's not, it's not me that's held back. It's just all of us. That's what he's saying to us. Seek him. Read your Bible and praise and worship. I challenged everyone last week. 15 minutes every day, praise and worship, solid. Before you go into the word, your time with God after. But just stay in praise and worship. And you know what? People are like calling me saying, wow. It just in. It just inspires you. There's an anointing that hits you. You just, um, I just can't stop crying. That's what he's after. And he says, I will strengthen you and I will bring you such new life. It's awesome. I want to close with this last scripture. 1 Corinthians 8.1. Now, as touching things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity, or the word love, edifies. See, it ain't about knowledge. It's about that love. Jesus was the epitome of love. So I challenge you today, tonight, whatever, <laughs> Go out and love. Go out and seek him, everything. As you look throughout your neighborhood, look for evidence of God in the nature, in the trees, and everything that you see because it's absolutely gorgeous right now. He's a good God. We're going to receive the communion table tonight. I'm going to invite Dr. Scott to come up. God, I just pray you would take this word and just infuse us with a new dose of faith. Infuse us with your power. And God, we just humble ourselves. We just humble ourselves, God. And we thank you tonight. We live in an attitude of thanksgiving for Jesus. Keep revealing who this man is to us. Who is this man? Jesus, only you can show us. Show us yourself. Show us who you are in our lives. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.